What should Leaf fans expect out of Robidoux this year? Well, as David pointed out, it's um, it's hard because he is coming off a real serious leg break that was the you know second consecutive time he broke the same leg, and these are not insignificant injuries. And even when you come back, I'm sure they they take a long time. So yeah, I think there's there's got to be a little bit of a caution here in terms of the expectation level for a guy that's really playing his first game since he broke his leg and hasn't had a a lot a lot of time to get ready. So. But you know what? When he's when he's on his game, he's he's uh, in spite of his advanced years. Um, I think he's still got the ability to play in, in a team's top four, and I think that he brings a lot of different things. And he, he really is a guy that his teammates teammates absolutely love him, and he's an inspiration to them. And he plays the game hard, but he plays the game relatively smart. And um, in spite of the fact that he's an old guy that's got a, a couple of broken legs, coming off a couple of broken legs, he, he gets around the ice okay. Now, I think that's the part that initially he's probably going to take some time to get up to speed, and people are going to have to be a little bit patient with that. Patience in Toronto, Bob. That's, <laughs> exactly. that's okay. a, something, something to wish for. But uh, speaking of patience in Toronto, as much as William Nylander was a huge buzz topic uh, at the early part of training camp. I think anybody who's watched this team play uh, in practice and play would say that he's likely not ready to play in the NHL right now. I would say he's almost certainly not ready to play in the NHL right now. What do you think the best course of action for the Leafs is in terms of furthering his development? Do you think they should allow him to go back to the Swedish Elite League, or, or would it be better for him to play with the Marlies? If they think that he's really you know, not that far off and, and he's close... Um, just needs to get a little stronger, get another year of pro experience, then the Marlies is a great option for him. Because the key to the playing for the Marlies is he's staying in Toronto and you're with him in terms of his off-ice training and conditioning and nutrition and all those things. And maybe most importantly of all, for a guy that's always played on international ice, um, to, to play on the smaller confines of North American game and get used to that aspect of it. Now, if the Toronto Maple Leafs believe that there's still a physical immaturity there that is significant enough that you don't want to expose them to the grind that is the American Hockey League, and believe me, it is a grind. They play the game hard. They play it for keeps, and, and there's a lot of structure, and there's not a lot of I, – I would say that there's much more free-flowing – it's a much more free-flowing game in the National Hockey League than it is in the American Hockey League and and that. So if you don't think he's ready for that and you're concerned about exposing him on the physical side of things to a league that in its own way is every bit maybe more physical in, in terms of hitting and grinding and those things, then, then you send him back to Sweden and you just say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with an 18-year-old going back and playing against men in the Swedish Elite League. Um, it's a normal course of action for most Swedes. They, a lot of them don't come over here at age 18. And you, you, there's no downside to putting him in Sweden other than he's playing international size. You lose a little bit of the control in terms of strength and conditioning and nutrition and, and those things because he's not in, right in your backyard. But in the grand scheme of things, he's going to continue to develop and be a real good player. So I don't think you can lose either way. And it's wherever the Leafs think he is in the stage of his development that makes the most sense right now. Bob, if there is a feel-good story among young players, though, it's Josh Levo. And, you know, is this a case, and it's great for the kid, but from a Leafs perspective, is this more a case of, wow, this is great. The Leafs have developed a player, he's ahead of the curve, and he's going to play on the second line. Or is this more of, oh, my God, the Leafs are playing Josh Levo on their second line? Uh, no, it's uh, more of the former than the latter. I mean, if you saw him play junior hockey first for the Sudbury Wolves and then for the Kitchener, Kitchener Rangers, yeah. 
and I, I got to see him a lot because my son's the assistant coach of the Kitchener Rangers, and I saw after he got traded over at the deadline that year, I was able to uh, to see him play down the stretch and saw him a bunch of times in the playoffs. Also saw him when he was competing for a spot on Canada's World Junior Team, which he didn't get mm-hmm. um, in the Subway Series games and that. And you could see very clearly in that his final year of junior hockey that he was going to be a pro and that he was going to play games in the National Hockey League. He's uh, He's strong. He's got a thickness to him. He's got a tremendous shot. He's got a, a really good pro-release shot. Uh, he protects the puck extremely well. And I think the thing that impressed me the most as I saw him through his junior hockey years was that he continued to pick up a step. He, I mean, he's not the, he's not blinding fast, but he started to show me in, in his last year of junior hockey, and he continued this progression with the Marlies, um, uh, he started to really pick up his first step, especially um, puck protection coming out of the corner, and and that. So there's, I'm not the least bit surprised that he's doing what he's doing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe, maybe six months ahead of schedule, if I was if I was trying to peg it, because we we would have thought that David Booth would be healthy, or maybe we wouldn't have thought he was he would be healthy. But in any case. We thought that there was maybe more NHL jobs spoken for on the, on this team, and that Lebo might have needed another part of a season in the American Hockey League. But right now, based on his camp and based on everything I've seen from him the last two or three years, he's a full value for being on an NHL roster. And now, when the regular season games get turned up, we'll find out if he can go up with it, because that's a big challenge for any kid playing in, in his first full season in the National Hockey League. But, you know, he's a, he's a good hockey player. He's a late bloomer. He was a, a late-round OHL pick um, mm-hmm. from up in the, the Lake Simcoe area there. And uh, it's really quite a, quite a story that he, he developed the way he did with Sudbury and then Kitchener. Hey, Bob, the, the TSN uh, player rankings are always a great talking point. And I think one of the ones that – one of the talking points that seems to have caught the attention of Toronto is the fact that Phil Kessel weighs in at number 38 on the list of the top 50 NHL players. Now, you know, it's interesting that Phil Kessel doesn't seem to get a lot of respect. You know, you go back to 2011, the All-Star Game snub where he's the last player picked, and you go to this where he's 38th, and yet if you look at the past five years since he got to Toronto, there's only four players in the NHL that have scored more goals in that span. Uh, Why do you think this guy doesn't get respect in, in like that's that's sort of equitable with his goal scoring talent. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know what I, I didn't do the vote. I didn't have any say in the voting. I don't oh, put really? together a list like that. But yeah. and I, I invoke my seniority to excuse myself <laughs> on those types of projects. Um, but uh, um, he would be higher for me. But I will say this: that when you are ranking players, um, no matter how many goals you score, um, there's a there's an inherent bias when you're ranking players on lists like this for big centers and big defensemen to carry the day. And I don't have the list in front of me. I'd be curious to see how many wingers um, are on the list ahead of Phil Kessel and, and sort of where he slots in amongst the, the wingers in the National Hockey League. I don't know if you have time to sit there and look at the list and, and count up the guys that are wingers as opposed to centers and defensemen. But I think that's one of the inherent biases that quite often because centers are so important, especially in the two-way game and, and things like that, that, uh, that the, the wingers sometimes suffer for those things. But I, I think, you know, the proof's in the pudding. He's a, he's a goal scorer. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a world-class skater. I know everybody makes fun of the fact that uh, maybe he doesn't per- appear to be the, 
the most highly conditioned athlete in the National Hockey League, but I think that can be deceiving as well. Um, all I know is he gets up and down the ice as fast as just about any winger in the National Hockey League. He drives play for a team that doesn't drive play very well, and um, the Leafs would be a dead loss without him. So whatever formula or numerical value you want to apply to that, uh, feel free. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was just, I was just counting up, Bob. I think there are eight wingers ranked uh, ranked ahead of him. So, so you're calling him. I think it's either eight or seven. So he's the eighth or ninth among wingers in my quick count. Does that sound right to you? Um, yeah, you know, when you start, you know, you'd have to call out the names. For yeah, me I mean, you got Corey. Yeah, you know, the likes of Corey Perry. Uh, I mean, I mean it's, these, these are good players ahead of Patrick Kane, obviously. Is, they, they got Ovechkin uh, ahead of him, Jamie Benn. Uh, it's hard, it is tough to make an argument that he's better than any of those guys, certainly. Yeah, so, you know, and then as I say, and again, I, and I know everybody's been talking about it, but, you know, I think, um, you know, people are saying, well, is, is Joe Pavelski better than, than, than Phil Kessel? And, well, Joe Pavelski doesn't have as prominent a role on the San Jose Sharks because things are spread out between he and Joe Thornton and Logan Couture and, and what have you, but... Um, um, no, whatever, whatever the number, the, you know, number 38 for Kessel to me, it, it strikes me that he, he should be higher. What number? I'm, I'm not sure. As I say, I don't, I don't really do that exercise. Bob, let me ask you then, uh, without putting a number on him, how good is Pavel Dadsuk at this stage? Well, certainly he's beat up. I mean, right yeah. now he's got the shoulder injury and, and that. When Pavel Datsuk is on his game, he's a top five player in the National Hockey League now. And that's even at advanced age. Um, and you saw it in the playoffs last year against Boston, uh, a couple of the skillful things that he did and the things that he can do. Um, if, he's, if he's healthy, in spite of the fact that he's getting on in age, um, he, he, for me, is when he's at the top of his game in, in health-wise, uh, for me, he's, he's as good as it gets. I mean, he's, he's right up there in the top five, top seven players in the National Hockey League. And I know Evgeny Malkin's a lot younger than he is, um, but if you give me a healthy Pavel Datsuk or a healthy Evgeny Malkin, I'd probably rate Datsuk ahead of Malkin, and I think highly of Malkin, too. Before we go, get a plug-in for the book. Oh, yeah, it's not on sale yet, but uh, come uh, a week Tuesday, October 14th, uh, Hockey Confidential. So, yeah, get your copy. So go fast. That's my, my sales pitch. It wasn't very good. It worked. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> awesome, guys. Have Thanks a good a weekend. Lot. Bob McKenzie joining us, our Hockey Insider.